It's a great week to look at the topic of joy, isn't it? It's a bit of a struggle this week. It's a good thing that I wrote the uh, message or the large portion of it early in the week uh, before life had a chance to, as Charles was saying, try to suck the joy out of myself. So, But it's a very opportune time for us to consider this subject of joy. It seems like we are trying to be deprived of it, whether it is our joy or our peace. And it's good to know that that joy is found in Jesus Christ. Let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that we do have, even with restrictions, but the freedom that we have to gather together as the body of Christ, to worship you and to praise you, to look into your word, to serve you, to love you, and the freedom we still have to be your ministers of love and joy and peace in the world around us. And I pray that you would so fill us with your Holy Spirit that that would flow out of us. In dark days in which we live, O Lord, I pray that you would cause us to be a light shining brightly for the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word and the opportunity we have to look into it and pray that you would guide us, grant us wisdom and discernment and understanding and a heart to apply it as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As a third century man was anticipating death, he penned these words. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. It's a profound statement. It's a positive and affirming and powerful message. Yes, also quite a convicting one. We recognize that we live in a bad world. Not the world itself, though it is under the curse of sin as well, but evil is so prevalent, and hurt and pain and anger are so prominent. I commented a few weeks ago that I have never known mankind as a whole to be so angry there's so much contention and conflict all around us. And in the midst of all of that evil, have we learned and are we living the secret of joy? Is it a joy which, as the quote states, is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life? Really, a thousand times better. Is that even possible? Are we despised and persecuted? And do we not care or care not, as it says, because we are so full of the joy of the Lord? Can it be said of us that they are masters of their souls? They have overcome the world. I'm going to read that quote again. Let it sink into your heart and go beyond just being convicting, which I was by it, to realizing the actual potential that we have to live there. And not just potential based on our limited strength, but potential and even promise by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says it's a bad world, an incredibly bad world, but I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians, and I am one of them. I am one of them, or at least I am endeavoring by the power of Christ within me to be one of them, a joy-filled Christian. 
as you may have surmised from that introduction and the Advent reading earlier, we are speaking about joy this morning. I will challenge you with a question as we begin. If you had a gauge for joy, how would it read? Maybe you don't have a joy gauge. Perhaps you feel like all you have is a pressure gauge and it's been ready to blow for the last six months. Maybe a better picture than that would be a rain gauge. If you had a joy gauge that looked something like that, something which measures volume, how full would your joy gauge be? This is an area of struggle for me. I'm honest enough with myself to know that I am not one of those people that others say, he's always so positive. Or he always lights up a room when he enters it. Some people would even say that I'm a bit of a stick in the mud, and I've come to terms with that as far as my personality goes. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be filled with the joy of the Lord. I should be. I need to be, especially at this time and in this situation that we currently find ourselves. This is when the abiding joy of God in our hearts should be most evident. There's a saying, something along the lines of, anyone can sing in the sunshine. Christians are people who can sing in the rain. Are you so filled with joy that you sing in your suffering? Child of God, by grace through faith, and I pray that that includes you this morning. Are you singing in the storms that swirl around you, unaffected by your circumstances or situations in regards to your joy, because you rejoice in Jesus Christ? It's a good time for us to reflect on that verse from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And I was actually thinking this two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, when I was preparing the message in regards to our submission to government. The challenge to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says, and again I say, rejoice. Last week we looked at hope. and We saw that it is found in Jesus Christ. Now, although hope is future tense, being a confident expectation of good things to come to the child of God, it should have a dramatic effect today. Hope grants us strength to persevere. Hope secures us. Hope enables us to rejoice, as we saw last week, and hope emboldens us. The confident expectation of the child of God, of the completion of our salvation, the resurrection, the glory that is to come, the inheritance of the riches of God in Christ Jesus should alter the way we live now profoundly. We should be living in that hope. The same is true of joy. It has a past, present, and future aspect. And the joy laid up for us in heaven is incredible. But joy is not something that we have to wait for. Joy is to be the continuous reality of the child of Christ right now. Having said that, what then is joy? And we have defined it in the past, but I'm going to define it for you again, and I've got two different definitions for you. The first one is from Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and this is probably a few years old, but you get the gist. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. So according to that, joy is the emotion you experience. When your situations or circumstances are favorable, that's according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. The only problem with that is that it comes up short. That falls maybe closer to happiness, in my opinion, but definitely not joy. Essentially, that definition says that without success or without good fortune or well-being, you can't have joy or be joyful. But I've known people who were joyful and didn't have any of those things. And I've also known probably far more people, who had all of those things to one degree or another and didn't have joy. Consider some of the most wealthy, powerful, influential 
people that you know, do you think they have joy? And if by chance they do, is it because of those things, their wealth and power and influence? Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day before he was 32 years old. Having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. What joy was there for him? Someone who literally had the world as his test of success, but no satisfaction and no joy. So I think we should define joy differently, or at least Christian joy anyways. And to do so, I'm going to borrow John Piper's definition, and I have used this before, so it shouldn't be completely new to you. John Piper says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So it's still an emotion, which is a good thing. It's a good feeling. But from that point on, the two definitions, they vary dramatically. Rather than being a good emotion or an emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, it is emotion or good feeling produced by the Holy Spirit. Joy within us is produced by the... That is radically different. Produced by the Holy Spirit. And how is it produced by the Holy Spirit? It's produced by the Holy Spirit within us as He causes us to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. Your joy, if you belong to Christ, is based upon Jesus Christ Himself rather than on any passing situation or success or possession. That's a good thing for us. Jesus Christ is God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you have eternal, unending cause to have joy. And on top of that, you have the eternal, unending, all-powerful work of the Holy Spirit within you producing that joy. Now then, joy is a good feeling that springs up within our soul, the very depths of our being, created, caused, and sustained by the Holy Spirit, as we see the beauty or the glory in Jesus Christ. In that definition, it isn't based on our circumstances and situations, but on the person of Christ as revealed in His Word and as seen even in the world around us. This is a deep-seated reality in the child of God because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. You could probably guess where I'm going with this. And we've already read a portion of this, or it's already been read this morning. I want to read the Christmas story for you today and focus in on verse 10. Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, 
which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. The focus is in verse, is in verse 10. Do not be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, God becoming flesh, was definitely good tidings. It is the news of salvation. It was the coming of the gospel, this good news of God to man. It was the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promises to send a Messiah, a Savior of sinful mankind. And so it is good news. But it is also a message of great joy. And we've looked at that before. Great joy literally means mega kara in the Greek. Mega delight, mega joy. This is massively joyful news. It is the coming of joy. For in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, in His death and resurrection, we have all that is necessary for the reconciliation of God to man, or of man to God. We have the message of restoration. Since sin entered the world through Adam, mankind has been under the curse of sin, separated from God by that sin, and without hope. But now hope has come, and in that hope, realized joy in Christ has come. And it is this mega joy which will be to all people. Prior to this, hope of the Messiah had been limited to the nation Israel. Now the joy of this message of reconciliation to God had come for and to all mankind. There is not a single person who may not enter into the joy of this message. It is for everyone. Romans chapter 3 verse 22 says, It is to all and on all who believe. Not everyone will receive this message of joy or respond to this message of joy. But the message of joy itself is universal, universally available to all, universally to be universally proclaimed to all that joy has come in Jesus Christ. He has come in this form of a babe in a manger. He has come as the incarnation of God. Joy has come in the provision of everlasting life. And we see that joy experienced even in the Christmas celebration. The story of the wise men. When they came, it says, they rejoiced. When they saw the star as it settled over wherever Mary and Joseph were at the time, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It was experienced in the story of John the Baptist, even before his birth, as was read also this morning. In Luke chapter 1, verse 44, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, this is Elizabeth speaking to Mary, she says, The babe leaped in my womb, for joy. Isn't that incredible? The coming of the Messiah, the coming of joy, was so incredible that even though in the womb, John leapt for joy. There can be absolutely no doubt that in the coming of Jesus Christ, joy has come. But it isn't just something that has come past tense. It is also something that is ours. It is spoken of primarily in the Word of God in present tense. The New Testament is full of a message of joy. As we read in Philippians, or as I mentioned, Philippians 4.4, we are commanded throughout the Word of God to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if we are commanded to rejoice, and yet we've recognized that joy is an emotion, how is it that God can command an emotion of us? Well, God does give commands of our emotions. But when He commands us in regards to our emotions, He also gives us the means to fulfill the command. It is not like God is just saying, you need to muster up, some emotion from within yourself. Rather than that, He will give us the equipping or the enabling of joy. And I believe that that is why joy is listed as one of the fruit in the fruit or a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25. The fruit of the Spirit is 
love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He gives us the means to fulfill the command to rejoice always. The fruit of the Spirit is that which He develops within us. As you yield and you submit and you surrender to God, then God by His Holy Spirit does this miraculous work of developing these fruit within your life. We see here at the end of that passage that I just read that we are to live by the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit. We are to put to death our sinful desires and passions and we are to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. As we do so, He develops these things in us. The connect between the Holy Spirit and our joy is shown throughout the New Testament. In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, it expresses this connect like this. It says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Joy and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. When you operate by the principles of the Spirit, you operate in joy, and your life reflects that. Joy is ours in Jesus Christ by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now, is there more to it than simply yielding to the Holy Spirit? And I realize that that's not simple, uh, not to minimize that. But is there more to it than that? Certainly. Well, if we look at our definition, it says Christian joy is a good feeling. I hope we have that good feeling in our soul, produced by the Holy Spirit. But then it goes on as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So, produced by the Spirit, as He causes us to see the beauty or the glory of Christ, in the Word, and in the world. Do you see the beauty of Jesus Christ? When you see something beautiful, do you pause to admire it, and to reflect upon it, and to consider it? Do you see the beauty of Jesus Christ in His Word? This is the revelation of God to man. Have you come to know Jesus Christ and experience the joy of knowing Him through His revelation? 1 John chapter 1. John says, That which we have seen from the beginning, speaking of Christ, that which we have heard, that which we have, or sorry, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, speaking of Christ, the life was manifested, made known, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We have seen. We have heard. John is saying, we have touched, we have been with God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. We know him to be the savior of mankind. And and he goes on and says, I'm writing to you about Jesus Christ that your joy may be full. Do you want to have full joy, complete joy? Do you want to have prayerfully unhindered joy? Then we need to get to know the one who embodies joy, to get to know Jesus Christ, and that is possible through his word. Jesus Christ also affirms that true joy is through knowing him. It is through being united together with Him. He says in John 15, As the Father loved me, 
I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that, your, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The key word in that passage is abide. Jesus said, abide in me, just as I abide in my Father. And so I abide in my Father's love. So abide in Christ. These things I have spoken, Christ says, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Remain in Him, exist in Him, rest in Him. Become one with Jesus Christ by grace through faith and stay there, rooted and grounded in Him. And as you abide in Him, His joy will remain in you and your joy will be full. So when, and this is for myself here, so when in this past week I have noticed that my joy gauge was particularly empty or that my life was an expression of frustration rather than the joy of the Lord, then I must ask myself, have I been abiding in Jesus Christ? Have I been resting in Jesus Christ? Have I been spending time with Him in His presence, rejoicing in Him, delighting in Him, getting to know Him? We're commanded to rejoice. That is, we're commanded to be full of joy and to express that joy. We do so by yielding to the Spirit and being filled with Him. We do so by coming to know Jesus Christ through His Word and abiding in Him. In the definition, it also says that as we see the beauty of Christ in the world. Now, admittedly, that is perhaps a bit more subjective. But God is at work in the world today. By His Spirit, He is actively doing things. And as He acts in the world, He invites us and even commands us as His body, the church, to come alongside, to join with Him in it. And when we join with Him, we have the thrill of experiencing His work in the world. And so coming to know Him more and greater and, in a sense, experientially. And I hope that you've all been, that you are all able to remember an event or point in your life where you stepped out in faith to do something that you knew God was calling you to do, maybe share the gospel in an uncomfortable situation or help someone in need or minister to someone who was hurting. There, there can be a thousand of these things. And I hope that you have done those things often enough to have experienced one of those instances where the individual that you were sharing with or ministering to responded by being encouraged, by being strengthened, by being maybe convicted. I pray that you have invested yourself in the work of the kingdom and that you have seen fruit for your labor in the kingdom. And that when that happened, you clearly saw that God was at work. And when you saw that God was at work, you delighted in the beauty of Jesus Christ in the world. That's what that means. Being witness to that and being involved in it causes joy to well up within us. One of the moments of greatest joy for a believer is when they are involved in, in witnessing to somebody, especially when they see fruit for that. Often it's not too encouraging if we don't see a response or we see fruit, but th- there will be these highlights in our life where we actually see someone respond to the gospel as we have presented it or shared it or spoken it or even lived it. In that moment, you were involved in the work of Jesus Christ, the primary work that Christ is doing in the world. He is still saving sinners And when you see that take place, how could it not? How does it not overwhelm us with joy? That is seeing the beauty of Christ in the world. 
He is still powerfully engaged. He is still reaching out. He is still at work in mankind. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. So to sum that up, joy is from God. It's by God. It is of God. It is experienced in our life as we trust in Him. But we must be intentional about it. We should be asking God to grant it to us by His Spirit. We should be searching out the beauty of Jesus Christ in the Word. We should be looking expectantly to see the beauty of Jesus Christ in the world around us. And just one other point in regards to joy. That's kind of a, an overview of how we get it. How do we keep it? In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul prays that the church might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. He prays that they would patiently endure with joy. We need to ask God to cause us to persevere with joy. We need to ask God to grant us that fruit of joy, absolutely. We can't muster it up on our own, but we also need to ask Him to cause us to persevere in that joy. And in those times of struggles and trials that we so desperately need the joy of the Lord, we need it then because man-made joy won't cut it in those instances. Man-made happiness will not cut it. It falls apart. But Holy Spirit planted Word of God watered and prayer sustained joy, that endures and that should radiate out of us in those darkest trials. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says that they had joy in their great trial of affliction. They had joy which persevered. That is the joy of knowing the surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ. That is joy for the present. Today, God wants you to know and to delight in the abiding joy of Jesus Christ. His intent is that your joy might be full. His intent, even in the midst of your present situation, whether you like it or not, whether it's a good situation or a bad situation, is that your joy might be full in Jesus Christ. We also have joy laid up in store for us. And we look expectantly towards that at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. He's saying that's, that's present tense there. But he goes on and says that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. So right now rejoice. Rejoice that you are able to take part in the suffering of Christ. And look forward to that day when you will experience exceeding joy. But don't just wait for it. Don't just wait for it and long for it and look for it. But even now, live in it as he has called and commanded and enabled us to. Today, as we celebrate the Advent season, we praise God that joy has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are determined to live in that joy, to live in that good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world, in that determination, because of the command of God to rejoice always, we yield to the Spirit, asking Him to develop this fruit of the Spirit within us. We invest ourselves in the Word of God so that we may see the beauty of Christ within it. And we exercise ourselves in the work that God has called us to, knowing that as we faithfully serve Him, 
He will cause us to see the beauty of Christ in the world. As we do those things, I am confident God will cause joy to well up within us, not because of ourselves, but because he has promised to. How could we not be full of the joy of the Lord when we are intimately connected with the source of all joy? Now may the God of hope fill you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that joy has come in Jesus Christ, not as the world defines joy, but as you do. Now, thank you that by your Spirit, your children are both called and equipped to live rejoicing in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would cause us in this time, in our own homes, in our own lives, in our own situations, in our own workplaces, in whatever it is we do, to be so filled with the joy of your Spirit that it would radiate out of us, that the difficulties we confront would be unable to suck that joy out of our life, that it would be so found in you and you alone, and not just as a platitude or as a cliche, but genuinely found in you and experienced in you and known in you and lived in you, that nothing could diminish it. That we would, this Christmas season, be a demonstration of a right relationship of a child with God, a child of God with his Savior, and so expressing joy divine. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.